All right, are you ready? Let's sing a blessing over our children. your souls by your obedience to the truth so that you have genuine mutual love love one another deeply from the heart you've been born anew not a perishable but imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God this is the word of our Lord thanks be to God there's an old song that says because he lives I can face tomorrow which is why for our Eastertide sermon series we are exploring hope Christian hope what is it? What is it rooted in? How does it emerge in our lives? What do we do when we're like the two men on the way to, to Emmaus who said, we had hope. They were on the verge of losing their hope. And ultimately, how does the living Christ empower us to live hope-filled lives? And T. Wright says, Easter was when hope in person surprised the whole world by coming forward from the future into the present. And I, I have to tell you that as we have been preparing this sermon series, and I've been particularly preparing this series, I can't get Rihanna's We Found Love in a Hopeless Place out of my head. <laughs> it's cringy, but it's true. Christian hope is grounded in love and it sustains us from the sin when everything without tells us to just give up. This epistle, this letter from Peter, is written to the church after the gospel had been spread throughout the Roman Empire by the disciples. He said, don't lose hope. Hope is on the horizon. See, these disciples had walked with Jesus and seen his credibility. He was a kind, compassionate, loving, challenging, humble, and brave leader. He was always willing to point to a picture of God as good and for us. He taught to love God and love neighbor. He healed even when it was inconvenient for the religious folks and gave special dignity to those who had been most harmed by society, the lepers, the disabled, the women, and the outcasts. He gathered his disciples from all of their various social locations, even ones that stood in direct opposition with each other and said, 
Follow me into this way of peace. Follow me and let my love heal your heart and then expand your imagination. These same disciples watched him expose the brutality of the Roman Empire as a steadfast and gentle leader, allowing himself to be beaten and crucified, living out his teaching that no greater love have a man than to lay down his life for his friends. They were Easter people. In fact, the very first Easter people, because they had close knowledge and experience of the risen Christ. They were the first forebearers of this hope. They knew that he was the one in whom our hope rests. So the the gospel that the disciples took into the world was one of resilience and unwavering love. The texture of their gospel was that of a well-made quilt by an experienced artisan. Sturdy enough to withstand stretching and pulling and many washes, but comforting enough to settle into and breathe a deep sigh of relief. And this gospel about this God, the God of the Jewish people, who not only was bound by covenant to just them, but for everyone now, because of the blood of Jesus, all could rest under this quilt of God's miraculous care and love because of the blood of Jesus that was spilt the, the edges of that quilt expanded, made room for all of us. And that is what these disciples took into the world. One body, one creation, one family, all taking a deep breath together. In this letter, Peter is speaking to, can we have the sermon slide? Because Rihanna is so distracting me. Thank you. (laughs) In this letter, Peter is speaking to churches who, as they have made a commitment to live in covenant with each other, with God, are realizing that there's still so much work to do. Work in navigating the differences and their own differences with each other. Work in building systems to care for one another. Work in growing in their knowledge and understanding of their faith. And probably the most terrifying for them at this moment, work in resisting the oppression and potential violence of the Roman Empire that was intent in suppressing this growing expansion of Christ's peaceable kingdom. This letter from Peter, the rock, the one who had who not only had this big aha moment when he confessed his faith to Jesus. In fact, Peter was the one who said to Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. This aha moment was so profound, Jesus himself praised him and said, on this rock, I will build my church. This same person with this same aha was, was, was Peter who denied Jesus three times. This man had such clarity about Jesus yet rejected him while Jesus was being beaten and under a sham of a trial. So this same person, Jesus made sure to reinstate with three invitations to proclaim the love of Jesus, to live out the love of Jesus by caring for others. So I can't help that all of this is what informs Peter's epistles. That he had experienced so many angles of a living faith, the ups and downs, the accolades and corrections, the healings and the violence. And so he can sit down and write encouragement to a new group of disciples to not lose hope. It is on the horizons and it is within you. He likens this group, of for, uh, this group to foreigners, sojourners. See, Peter reaches deep into his cultural background to share something that he, as a Jewish man, had known. God is with you wherever you go. 
Peter grew up on stories of the Exodus and how God liberated the Hebrew people from Egyptian oppression, how God parted the seas and provided food, how God continued to offer ongoing companionship and protection, fire by night and cloud by day. And in this passage today, Peter likens us to foreigners just like these same Hebrew people. Like them, Ruth Moravian, we are a people in transition. We have found our theological home with the Moravians, and we have found this meeting place here at SPNN, and both of these give us a chance to breathe a deep sigh of relief. We are home, and yet we are still foreigners, sojourners, ones on the move, ones vulnerable to change and transition. Because while the big questions are answered, who we are and who do we belong to, and where we are going, Peter knew that the early church had those questions answered too, but then other ones would come up. Ones that we are going to have to process and continue to think about. Questions like, what if, and what about, and why that, and how come? Peter wanted to give these early disciples something to hold on to, to go forward. When I look at what Peter offers the early church and us today, I think of something from my Pentecostal deep Southern upbringing, traveling mercies. So traveling mercies are a a prayer of well-wishing and hope for the traveler. So when I was about to, um, when I was on my way to uh, my second year of college, so my first year of college, I went to school in Springfield, Missouri, but my second year I decided to go to a state school in Texas, the University of North Texas, which is in Denton. It's about five hours away from my hometown. The first year my parents drove me to college, I didn't have a car, but I did not like that existence of not having a car, so my second year I bought a car and I chose to go to a state school, one that I could drive myself to. It's about five to six hours from my hometown. So I, I bought a car that I loved, it was a Pontiac Sunfire and it was like this turquoise and it was so cute and I bought it and I, and I loved it and I had, had it for only a week. I drove to visit my friend in Oklahoma and then on my way from Oklahoma to Denton because it's pretty much a straight shot um, from where she lived in Oklahoma, I got into a car accident. Uh, my tire busted while I was on the interstate. It freaked me out. I turned the wheel really hard and I tumbled four times down a ravine and I ruined that sunfire. But I came out of it with just a seatbelt burn on my shoulder and a scar that I still have today on my hand. So I went to the hospital in Oklahoma, my parents picked me up, brought me home. The good thing about it was I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, 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 an extra planner, so I had given myself a few weeks to get to my apartment and didn't. I wanted to learn the area before school had started, so I had a little bit of cushion. And so I got home and told my parents, I need a car. So I'm going to buy another car. (laughs) And so I bought a car, and this time I bought a car that was a little bit newer, and I I had a sunroof and a CD player, and, you know, when you're 20 years old, those things matter. (laughs) Not so much the car payment, but those things matter. And so I was so proud of this car, and I was so excited about this trip, and and I felt fine, and my mom said, no, don't go, and I said, I've got to go. And so I packed up my car and then I decided on my way out because on the way, on the way onto the interstate that I needed, my godparents lived right off the interstate. I, I called them up and said, I, I'm, I'm on my way out. And my godfather said, no, don't go. And I said, I have to go. I need to get into my apartment. I need to get settled. 
I need to take a deep breath and put all this behind me. I need to make some friends because I have social anxiety. And so he said, well, come on by. Come on by. We'll say goodbye to you. We can have a glass of lemonade and then we can go. And I said, okay, great. So I, I pull in with my new car and my godparents are standing there waving at me. And my godmother jumps in the car and she starts acting like she's like a NASCAR driver behind my wheel. Like, mm-mm. And my godfather says, no, she's weird like that. Let's just let her enjoy your car for a bit. Come inside, have some lemonade and tell me about your trip. So I sat down with him, and like all the best dads, and particularly the Texan dads, he says to me, well, what, what, what route are you taking? Which way are you going? I've driven that drive so many times. Which way are you taking? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I was just going to print out. I just have my MapQuest print out. And for those of you who don't know, like Google Maps was not a thing then. Like I couldn't just have Siri tell me where to go. I had to have a piece of paper that I would prop, like, in some way next to me and I would have to read it and say okay I'm good for the next 50 miles set my 50 miles go and when I get 50 miles pull over and check my next instruction you know or take my exit and continue on I you know and so he was like oh no don't use that map plus you're you're you literally got into an accident you're telling me you're going to take your eyes off the road and I'm like well what I what can I do and he goes uh, well, I have this and he pulls out this monstrosity <laughs> and he lays out this big map and so he starts to say, okay, well, you know, I, I've taken this trip so many times. You want to avoid this, but you, you might want to take this if you want to see some cows. You like some cows. If you want to see some cows, you need to take this way. And he sat down and he said to me, Oshita, where, look at where you've been. Look at, look at all the places you've gone and all the, all the ways that you've driven around this area already. You know, you know where you've been. You're comfortable here. But you're not comfortable here, so this is where you're going to go. And he marked the map up so that I could have a trusted guide. That, that could be with me when he could not. And then Missy finished her weirdness in my car and came inside and said, well, you know, what, what, do you, what do you need? Let me, take, let me send some snacks with you. And, and then she put together a bag of snacks and she gave me a bottle of water and then this Amish romance novel that she just finished and she thought I would really love. <laughs> and then Mickey packed up this monstrosity and set it tenderly in the passenger seat on top of my MapQuest instructions. And he said, well, I guess all there's left to do is pray traveling mercies on you. And so he did with his arms wrapped around me. He asked for God to keep me safe, for me to take good breaks, for protection and good function of my car. And then he said, in Jesus' name, amen. So if Peter were sitting across from us, Roots Moravian, and we tell him about this journey that we're on, they're about to take into this new season as a Moravian community, one with a charter and a covenant to love each other, one with traditions that root us and ground us in that love. I think he'd sit across from us and offer these thoughts from 1 Peter 17, 23, as our traveling mercies. I think he would say, do you see where you are? Do you, do you, know, do you know that you are children of God? known and seen by God, redeemed in this moment by the blood of Jesus. Beloveds, this is your starting place. Do you see where you've been? The trails that you have taken? The steps that you have taken? The things you have done? The things you've left undone? Look back and pay attention to the journey you've already taken. Are there traumas that inform the ways you sin? Those missed opportunities to love each other well? 
What are the insecurities and unhelpful narratives that have been passed down to you from mentors and guides who are just still trying to figure out their way as they go? Peter calls these futile conduct inherited from your ancestors and perishable things like silver and gold. Roots, knowing this helps us keep those things in perspective, helps us keep our journey in a perspective. That everything we've done and left undone has been covered by the blood of Jesus and it deserves our deepest curiosity and compassion. In this posture, we can heal and continue on in the journey. And then, just like Missy wanted to make sure that I had everything I needed to take care of myself on the road trip, Peter would go on and tell us, like, this is what you need to continue on this trip, to continue in this journey. You need a fear of God, a trust in Jesus, and unity in the Spirit. Fear of God. Not fear, as in I'm afraid of God, but awe. This, this posture and place of wonder a deep awareness of God's presence and work that is moving in our lives regularly. My mom didn't want to come to church with me as a, as a kid. I was the one in our family who went to church. And, and once, one Sunday or Saturday, I said, Mom, I really want you to come to church with me. And she said, I, I can't go because all of the churches that I used to go to would just preach this hellfire and brimstone message that God was mad at me and God was after me and I was always displeasing to God and and I'm living in sin and I just can't subject myself to that anymore. And I just can't subject myself to to a a commandment to fear God. I don't want to fear God. And because I was a little bit self, well, a lot self-righteous, I was like, you should be afraid of God. (laughs) But as I have grown and as I look at what Peter is inviting us into, it is not this fear that God is not for us or God is about to get us. We are not sinners in the hands of an angry God. We are beloveds in the arms of a loving father. See, we need to have this awareness of God's presence and love because hope needs fuel. A soldier's hope needs regular touch points. This is why we gather in some capacity weekly to remind each other of God's movement. To say, look at this and don't forget that. And oh, by the way, I've been praying for you this week because God wouldn't let me stop wondering how you're doing with X, Y, and Z. We need awe and wonder to keep us tender and humble because we don't and can't have it all figured out. But do you know who does? Jesus. We need a trust in Jesus. That's the next thing that Peter would say we need in our knapsack. See, Jesus knew before the foundation of the world the answers to the sojourner's questions. Where am I going? Where have I been? What am I doing there? Peter says Jesus was destined before the foundation, and through him you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your trust and hope are in God. This is why we can navigate disagreements and discomfort because our hope is not in music teams or local impact. It's in Jesus, who already walked the path before us, who says, if you seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added to you, so seek me first. We trust in Jesus on this journey because Jesus is the one who is our constant, our fire by night and our cloud by day. And finally, friends, we need unity in the spirit. We cannot and should not do this journey alone. You know, there was a really corny quote in Ted Lasso this week, if you're familiar with Ted Lasso. Um, The quote goes this way. Things are coming with me. Wiggins says, 
You know, because one pilgrim on, a, on their own, that's a zealot, but two, that's a pilgrimage. And I like this word, pilgrimage. I, uh, I serve as a co-facilitator for a collection of people who are currently on a pilgrimage called Journey of Hope. And we use this language of pilgrimage a lot, of walking alongside each other and living in covenant with each other. So just recently we were together, we were talking about white Christian nationalism, in fact. And um, one of our pil- pro- pilgrim guides, which is kind of a partner to me, said that she was spending some time reading in Isaiah about the peaceable kingdom with her small group. And, and they were talking about how in, in God's idea of a kingdom, of the peaceable kingdom, of his shalom, finally touching earth, that the lion and the lamb would lay down together and that the, lamb, or that the lion would eat grass, would eat the straw. And she said that she wrestled with that. She was like, well, what, what does that mean? Because like, a lion has certain teeth and a certain digestive system. Does, does a lion actually fundamentally change in order to be in the peaceful kingdom? Is God asking me to fundamentally change if I am somebody who our society is deemed as a lion? And then she said, I love this idea because, you know, the lion can, can, can live in unity with someone for whom they have been poised to harm. They're choosing not to harm them anymore. But I don't know if I can give up my essential self. Does that, does that mean that the lion changes? And so she, I just watched her process this, and then she said, but you know what? I started thinking, I said, nothing changes in the lion except the lion's decision to no longer eat the lamb. But the lion chooses to eat straw. That the lion chooses to be nourished by something that doesn't cause harm. And she said, so it makes me wonder, where are the areas in my life that I have chosen to be nourished by things that harm other people? And how can I choose to be nourished by something that is peaceable and good and, 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 and causes equity between us? What does it look like for us to sit down and eat the same thing together? This is unity in the spirit. It's choosing to live in peace with each other by choosing to eat grass. To be able to say mutual love comes from our joint discomfort and what you need, I will make room and space for, even if it makes me uncomfortable. Because it's not about me preserving and protecting my digestive system. My system will be fine. So I offer this in closing, my friends. Today is a joyful day. It is. We are heading in a really beautiful direction. But we will be that credible witness of the texture of the kingdom of God that is expansive and loving if we remember our traveling mercies. Let's live in awe of God. Let's trust in Jesus because he gets it and he's got it. And let us live in unity in the spirit. Amen. All right, my friends, thank you for joining us this morning. We are going to close with a couple of announcements and then our our benediction. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) Just want to remind you that next week is a fellowship Sunday. It means we're going to have a potluck brunch and some dialogue. We're going to process what we've been reading and learning together about 1 Peter and hope. We're going to have some dialogue around tables. And then... Oh, let me say it. Let me... Logistically. Logistically. Um, there will be pancakes provided by the church, and then the Moore family is bringing a breakfast pizza. Ooh, mm-hmm. breakfast pizza. I mean, you, you asked for it. You don't remember asking for it? I don't remember asking for it. No. 
<coughs> breakfast pizza. And um, bring whatever you can. Bring whatever contribution you have. Your favorite toppings your, for... Well, favorite toppings for pancakes. If you want an egg dish. What are you craving Saturday that you're like, I really want to eat tomorrow morning? Make it. Bring it. There will be plenty of food. Um, I will post in the community group. If you know what you're bringing, you can drop that in there. That just lets us know. And let's keep in mind to have some gluten-free options as well for those of us who need that. All right. Uh, what's the next slide? Ah, yes. Um, if you are a parent in this room, I'm going to invite you to take a picture of this QR code or look for it. Um, is it in the bulletin? Yes. The, it's, in, it's in the bulletin. The digital program has a hyperlink. We will be um, part of our partnership with 